title of this sermon um, actually came from a good friend of mine, Carly Simon. You might know her. She's not my friend. Um, the title of this message is called, um, You Probably Think This Psalm Is About You. Okay. <laughs> Took me three days to come up with that, so you better like it, all right? You probably think this psalm is about you. Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> I'm so vain. I probably think this psalm is... I mean, all right. Um, Colossians, which actually got... You want to hear something funny that happened to me before service? Before service, I had my computer, where I usually build my sermons on. Um, I forgot my charger at home. So this morning when I went to transfer from my computer to my iPad, my message, and went in my office, uh, my computer was dead with no charger. So 20 minutes before service started, I got to rebuild from scratch in my head the entire message. So this is terrible. We're going to blame Apple, all right? I'm just kidding. It's not going to be terrible. Probably the best message I've ever preached, all right? But I have it all. I think I remembered all the scriptures. Um, except this one says Collisions 3.3, and I'm pretty sure it's Colossians, all right? <laughs> so, spell check to Collisions 3.3. Uh, I, I was thinking, um, I read this scripture in Psalms 27 for the memorial, the, the celebration of life yesterday. And, and when it hit me, this one particular scripture that I thought, I wonder what this means uh, in the context of my sermon today. I wonder what this means. And so I'm going to read some scriptures that have to do with being in Christ, but I'm setting you up. All right. How many of you know the Bible says that we are in Christ? What does that mean? Well, it's multifaceted, but one of the facets that you maybe have never heard before in this context, I want to bring to light today, what it means to be in Christ. Like, do we have like a like a cut out of him we walk through every day. I mean, what does it mean to be in Christ? What does that mean for our lives practically? And how do we walk that out? Does it mean to rehearse his words, his heart for humanity and us? Yes, all of that. But I want to give you maybe something else that might help you today and bring us together as the church. Amen? For... Um, Colossians 3.3 says, for you have died, or collisions 3.3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It says that, that we are hidden with Christ. The Bible talks about when he died, that we died with him. Baptism is the act of our old man dying. It is, the, it is the public display, if you will, that our old man has died and we were raised, the Bible says, anew with Christ. Which means that when he took our sin and burden upon him and, and, and was laid to rest, so was our old man, our old way of thinking, our old way of living life, died with him and we were raised in Christ new. Now, whether you or I feel new, we are. Come on, that's good news. What's good news is that we don't identify, we are, are, the composition of who we are is not subject to our feelings. God composed us and designed us to go through that paschal cycle with Christ and to be raised anew. 
And so whether you feel new, you are. That's good news, amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is all gonna make sense. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. How many of you have some old things that you're okay with passing away? Anybody have some old habits? Anybody have some old girlfriends? No, don't say that, all right? <laughs> some of y'all are way too honest, all right? I like that about you. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe it was the old things part and not the other, all right? <laughs> Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is another slave nor free. There is no male nor female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. What used to separate us, just like the veil that was torn from top to bottom, there is no longer a separation. I love that. I love this, especially when people say that women shouldn't have leadership positions in the church. You know? The idea that we could be separated based on our cultural differences or our race or our gender or whatever else, uh, the Bible says that those no longer um, have dominion over our lives, that we're no longer separated by these things that we naturally as human beings like to categorize and separate each other with. It says we are all one in Christ Jesus. Come on. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. I promise you this is going to make sense. Maybe. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. There's two natures. There's that old nature, that Adamic nature, that the nature of Adam. And then there's this new nature that we have in Christ. So I just picked a couple of scriptures that talked about how we're in Christ. There's a lot more. You can go through it and find them. Just go to, you know, the Google or go to, did I call it the Google? <laughs> go to the Google. No, go to Google and, or go to Bible Gateway or one of these sites that have the Bible. You can search things. You'll find a bunch of scriptures in Christ. And I started to kind of research and look into it. And then I kind of flipped over to uh, Romans um, 12.5. And this is what hit me. This is what I want you to get today. Now, this message is one of those ones where it's, it's more of a thinker than it is a slam dunk. I want you to think. And I want you to be challenged. Romans 12, 5 says this. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. First Corinthians 12, 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. If you go on to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. What if part of the value or part of the delivery of the manifestations of what we receive in Christ God delivers through the vehicle of the church. 
What if being the body of Christ and the scriptures that, des that describe being in Christ include being a part of the body of Christ here? Now, I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy. I want to set this up for you. I was reading Psalms 27. I'm going to read that to you in a moment. And I'm like, I wonder if this one part of Psalms that talks about us being hidden in safety, and I'll get there in a moment. I wonder if this one part of this Psalm means more than what I'm just reading here. And so I researched it and I found that I realized that the Hebrew word here that we're going to see in a moment for being in Christ is also the Hebrew word that's translated in the Greek as the body of Christ. Listen to what I'm saying today. And I'm going to try to, to try to paint more of a picture for you. The world around us is looking to find themselves in a place of safety, in a place where they can hide and rest. They're looking for a place that they can see their old nature pass away and be raised to new life. They're looking for a place where they can be encouraged when they feel down, where they can get hope when they're feeling no hope, where they can have life breathe into them when they're feeling like, uh, like everything is taking them over. All of these promises we see of being in Christ and what it brings to us, what if those things are found in the gathering, in the unity and the beauty of the body of Christ. What if when somebody is needing rest and to hide themselves, we say, well, just be hidden in Christ. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to take this a step further. I, I, I think we put a lot of responsibility on what God is supposed to supernaturally accomplish when some of those responsibilities he's actually placed in our hands as the body of Christ to do as an extension of who he is to the earth. So we oftentimes shift responsibility because we, let's be honest with each other, don't want to do the hard things. And it's hard to maintain relationship. It's hard to deal with somebody whose life is falling apart. It's hard when you've got enough stuff and I've got enough things on my plate to stop for somebody who needs comfort or needs to rest or who needs encouragement or who needs to be breathed life into. It's like, I'm barely hanging on myself. You want me to breathe life into you? How about I get away from your negative spirit and get, and get over here? I, I want to take this one, one, one step further if I can. I, I'm just going to hone in on this for a moment. I think the church has made a massive mistake in this. We have stopped being the body of Christ in this context. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church in general. This has become, at times, the opposite of the body of Christ. When people have come to be hidden in rest, they've been exposed and used. Y'all okay with this? I'm just going to be real with you for a moment. When, when people have come to have new life breathe into them, we put restrictions, 
we put condemnation, we put shame upon them, which just further killed their spirit. I have been in places in churches where somebody just got, man, they, they came alive in Christ. And the minute they came alive in Christ and started just, they were just so excited and, and just, you know, wild for Jesus and like, you know, everything that's supposed to happen in this community of believers, this, this little microcosm of, of gathering of people that seems to happen when God's people come together. And then somebody starts getting the benefit of it, but maybe they are a little bit more excited than I am. So I got to knock them down a few pegs. You know? What am I going to look like over here just standing like this during worship? When that guy over there is like playing air guitar, you know, like just like straight up, you know? So we just sit back. We're like, it's a little extreme, don't you think? Did you see how high his strum started when he was playing the air guitar? Do you think he's on something? I'm going to read this to you. Do you understand what I'm saying today? Is this all right? Psalms 27, for the Lord is my light, and my salvation. Whom shall I feel? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Verse two, when the wicked advance against me to devour me and my enemies and my foes, who will stumble and fall? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, see, verses one through four or one through three are describing what we would consider this, this day of trouble. Like when, when the enemy is coming after me, when this is happening, when that is happening, uh, when the army besieges me, when the war breaks out against me, when the wicked advance against me, um, it says, and then verse five, it says this, for the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. This word, this is the, uh, I think the English standard version, um, but this word of of dwelling place, this word of sacred tent is sometimes translated the same word in the Hebrew into the Greek as the body of Christ. So let me read this to you guys. This is, I'm telling you, listen to this. If you don't get anything else, listen to this. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in the body of Christ. He will hide me in the body of Christ. When war breaks out against me, he will keep me safe in the body of Christ. When the enemies besiege me, I'll be safe and protected in the body of Christ. Now, this is not a reality for the majority of Christian churches out there. Somebody said that Christians are the only that seem to kill their own. They shoot their wounded. It's like, if you're down, we're going to finish you off. Bury you in the backyard. 
I, I wonder what it would look like if we, the church, and today I can only speak to Harvest and anyone else who's watching online, but we, the church, Harvest, actually became the body of Christ where each one of us realized that we had a specific part to play and a function in this body, whether we were a muscle or a bone or a ligament or, or an organ, we realized that each one of us have a part to play and that the ones that seem the weakest are actually the ones that are indispensable and we can't do without. And the ones that don't seem to, to shine, you know, in the, the internal parts of what we do are actually the most vital to survival and living. What if every one of us here realized that if one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. That's what it says there. That's what it says. It says if one part, then we're all suffering. What if we looked at this group here, not just as a place, that's where I go to church and those people sit in the same church as me. No, we're family. We're family and we look out for one another. And if you're hurting or you're down or you're desperate or you feel like everything is coming against you or you feel like there's no hope or you feel dead inside, if you feel like you need new life, this should be the body of people that come together. And it's probably not even going to be a song or a message. It's going to be one of you that goes to the other and says, are you doing okay? Is there something I can do for you? Can I pray for you? Can I take you to lunch? Can I help you with whatever you're facing? But I'm here for you. I want you to know with a smile on our face and, and looking each other eye to eye and saying everything's going to be okay. That is what it looks like for the body of Christ to manifest what it means to be in Christ. Come on. I actually believe that God wants to manifest everything he wants to do he wants to manifest through the vehicle of the body of Christ. I actually believe God doesn't want to step in to an earthly realm which he's given us dominion over. Do you understand that he has to override his word in order to step in and do something if we don't do it? Do you understand that today? It's why when we pray for the sick, God does it through us. Why wouldn't he just zap along and just start healing people randomly? Why, is, why do we believe in the laying on of hands? Well, last time I checked, we've never had, and I'm not trying to be silly, we've never had food multiply in our food bank. We've been running our food bank for 25 years or 28 years or whatever. We've never had food multiply in our food bank. We've never gone into a cooler where there was, you know, 10 cases of turkeys, and then we came back the next day, and without anybody adding more, it was 20. Come on. We have a lot of turkeys around here, but that's not what I'm talking about. All right. Do you know how those, the, that, that cooler gets multiplied? Do you, do you know who hands out the food every Thursday? Wouldn't it be cool if we could just sit inside in the air conditioning and just watch angels out there like, and how many do you have in your family? How many do you have in your family? That's not what happens. He says, you are the body of Christ. And when people are desperate, they come to you. Well, they should look to God. They are. They're looking to the church because we are his body. He is in us and we are in him. They are. I can't tell you how many situations I've been in 
with pastors or Christian leaders where they were just kind of, they're done, they're done with, they've done their cute little sermon, they got their cute little offering and somebody needs something and they're just like out the door. They're just like, Psh. And trust me, I've been guilty of it. I get it, I understand it. You get worn out, etc. But I'm telling you, you can preach a thousand sermons and not have the effect of stopping for one person to say, what do you need and what can I do for you? All of the words, all of the lights, all of the songs, all of the flash, all of the programs in the world doesn't mean as much as stopping for somebody and saying, hey, Katie, I know that you had, you had COVID. You've obviously quarantined, et cetera. Are you doing okay? Do you have your taste buds back? Are you, are you good? You do, that's good. That's awesome. If I lost my taste buds, I'd be done, all right? Are you still contagious? No, that's not the question we're gonna ask Jay. She's not. You can smell again. Are oh, you doing all right? Yes. Yeah, we prayed for you in church, and we love you. It was just something that, and I actually mean everything I'm saying, just something that simple to say, hey, I remissed you. You were out of church. I heard you were sick. Are you doing all right? You look good, but are you doing all right? Is there any long-term effects from it? Just that simple interaction with somebody that they are seen and heard and known is more powerful than a million sermons, church. I mean, honestly, every Sunday, this, whatever I have in my iPad or my computer that's dead, whatever I do, this could just be every Sunday, us challenging each other to become more of the body of Christ. Because if we function as the body of Christ, oh man, there's no stopping what's going to happen with us. And if there is anything in this world stopping you, from being kind and caring and loving and being an extension of what it means to be in Christ for somebody else. Anything that's stopping you, any lie that's deceiving you, that's telling you that you're, you're dispensable or you're not as vital or important. It is just simply that it is a lie and it is untrue. There is no one here whose purpose is not important. There's no one here that in five minutes couldn't have more of an impact on a person they're sitting next to than 10 of my messages. There is no one here that doesn't carry the word of the Lord for somebody that's desperate. There's nobody here that couldn't pick up the phone, come on, and order Uber Eats for somebody who's shut in because they're sick. There's nobody here that couldn't figure out a way to, to, to orchestrate or to to, uh, to, uh, to gather people together to, to help somebody. I, I will say this to you like, I love this lady right here. She's the best. Come on, do you love Charlene? Charlene is 80% the greatest human being on earth and 20% of pain in my rear end, okay? Now my sister Erin's 50-50, so she'll never be... But Charlene lives to help people. If we had 20 Charlenes, we could take over, we could take over the city. Because her, her idea is, you know, like, did you go to, um, did you go to uh, seminary? <laughs> Have you taken any formal Bible training? 
Neither have I. But um, have you ever been arrested? A million times. Um, hmm. Can you tell, can you name one of the minor prophets? And it's, I'm not talking about me. No. You can't. <sighs> That's the point. I'm trying to make a point. I'm not saying you shouldn't know the minor prophets. I'm saying it doesn't take that. I'm not trying to expose Charlene for not knowing every perfect little thing about the word of God, okay? Which, you know what? She knows more about God than some people that are teaching seminary classes because she's actually been willing to carry out his mission as the body of Christ. My point today is, church, is this is a regathering of what it means to be the, the body of Christ. This is me saying to you, as one of the pastors here, that our mission will not be to you know, do the flash and do this and do that. Our mission as a church is that we will be the most welcoming, loving, caring, kind group of people in all of Sarasota that no matter where you are in the four corners of our city or our county, that you know that if you go there, you'll be able to hide and rest and be rejuvenated and have life poured into you and that you'll know what it's like to be in Christ. I'm just going to go there for one second before I end today. Yesterday, uh, you know, I'm just too transparent sometimes and I don't care. But yesterday at this memorial, it was an amazing, wonderful, wonderful, heartfelt, beautiful service that I know Toya and her family put together. She put a lot of hard work into gathering it together. Um, one of the people that spoke at the memorial service, which was probably the only downside of this whole thing yesterday, for a good long portion of time, way longer than he should have, took the time and opportunity to scream at the people and tell them that it was the will of God for their 40-year-old brother and son to pass away. And to tell them to get their house in order and to tell them that, you know, they've got sin in their lives and to basically beat them up beyond recognition in this service. And then at the end of it, invited them to receive the promise of salvation. Let me just say, nobody responded. Because if that's what God's like, who will in his will take a 40-year-old from the earth who's perfectly healthy? That's not anything any of us want to sign up for. Come on. I think, and I'm, I'm sorry I said that, but I, I need you to see the difference. I think that we, the body of Christ, God's people, not Pastor Dan, not Harvest Church, you, the body of Christ, us collectively together can scream louder with what we do versus what we say than any negative voice that's painting God out to be angry or a killer or, or, or upset or vengeful or short-tempered or any of those things. We know that our God and the God of Jehovah that we serve is full of grace and mercy and wants us to live long and prosperous lives. Come on, to the end of our days, we know that our God, it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. Come on. We know that it is his grace that is sufficient for all of our needs. Come on. Come on. We know that the Bible says we go from glory to glory. 
And oftentimes, people like us are the quietest. And I'm not saying get out there and be loud. But what I am saying is, let's start to put into action as the body of Christ what it looks like. For these scriptures we read here at the top, life is hidden in Christ with God. How about this? Therefore, if any man, I'm going to read this again. Be in Christ, he is a new creation. What if people realize that by being a part of the body of Christ, that their lives will be renewed, that they'll become new creations here because we will speak to the newness of life inside of them. We will give them an opportunity to receive the promise of Jesus in Christ. We will baptize them. We will disciple them. We will be their friend. We will walk with them through seeing their old man be dead and gone and seeing them raised to new life. What if this idea of old things passing away and all things becoming new was actually designed to happen? Yes, from God through his spirit and his power, but the venue be the house of God. Come on. This should be exciting for you and really exciting for me because it means I get to do less work. Just kidding. It should be exciting for you today because I want to encourage you that this church wants you to feel empowered, encouraged, and activated to be a Charlene. to be a Charlene or half Charlene, half as good as she is. 25%. She's so sweet. She's been, she's been going in my office and leaving orchids. There's orchids everywhere. I don't know if you've seen them. And, and she raised a, these, she takes these small ferns and raises them till they're big. And she took one of the ones she's raised and she's now hung that in my office. You're going to have to keep it alive too. Oh, that's the deal. All right. She's got it on a calendar. Like she's the idea, and I know I'm, I'm picking on you in a good way, but the idea that she's at home thinking about, how can I make this person stay better? And you think, oh, she's just doing it because you're the pastor. No, 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 I'm the last one she gets to, all right? She is wanting, she's helped with Jay and these others here. She's helped, and Katie, they, they've, they on their own decided, we're going to start reaching out. They didn't really wait for me or dad or anybody. They just started going. How will anyone ever be invited in or want to come in and be in Christ if they never experience what it feels like to encounter the body of Christ? They encounter his body and then they want to be in Christ. We can be the greatest or the worst review or advertisement, if you will, of what it means to be in Christ. I think, I'll close with this, I think Harvest Church, we can be the greatest voice, the greatest influencer, the greatest advertisement, the greatest marketing tool imaginable to the earth, to our city, of what it means to be in Christ. So this Psalms 27, it's really easy to read that and think that it's not about us. Probably think this Psalm is about you, because it is. It actually is about us. 
because we are in Christ and he is in us. And when he wants people to feel or understand or know what his heart is for them, he does it through us. Be activated and encouraged and empowered today. You might be a mess, join the club, like I said last week. You might be struggling, we're here to help you too. So that you can not just feel loved, so that you can help somebody else. Look at your neighbor without breathing on them and say, be a Charlene. Be a hundred percent of the 80% of Charlene. All right. Does this make sense today? Hey, I love you guys so much. We'll see you next week.